This is Dr. Kate Walker reminding you that I am not that kind of doctor. Not only that, I'm not a CPA and I am not an attorney. Laws change all of the time, so Texas counselors creating badass businesses should never be construed as legal advice. Always check with your trusted professionals. Now, let's get to work. Welcome to Texas Counselors Creating Badass Businesses, where it's all about working smarter, not harder. And here's your host, Dr. Kate Walker, who still has a crush on Sting. Hey, it's Dr. Kate Walker. Welcome to Texas Counselors Creating Badass Businesses. And I'm going to talk to you about a technique based in solution-focused therapy. This is a great technique to help your client win the battle for initiative. Now, what does that mean? Well, initiative is another word for motivation. So when you're sitting across from a reluctant client, and for counselors, there's nothing harder than working with someone who just doesn't want to be there, this technique can really be a game changer for both of you. So, In this podcast, I'm going to teach you a lot of uh, words to say. I'm going to give you some resources. And so by the end of this, I really want you to be able to turn off the podcast and walk right into your office and deliver an amazing first session so that your client leaves trusting you and wanting to work with you and collaborate and be a part of the process. All right, let's get to work. Okay, so today my goal is to tell you about a solution-focused technique to create a motivated client. I know that sounds, you know, kind of ambitious, right, that we're going to create a motivated client, but it's based on some very solid ideas, which uh, comes from Marriage and Family Systems, Carl Whitaker. We counselors have to win the battle for structure but our clients must win the battle for initiative. Another word for initiative is motivation. And so that's what this technique is all about, right? The structure is in a first session, we have to get through the freaking intake assessment, right? I mean, we we don't have a choice about that. Um, but uh, so that's the structure. But if I can ask, if I can ask these questions, these this three-point wrap-up at the very end then I can help the client, even reluctant clients, win that battle for motivation, buying in, collaborating with me on solutions. So first things first, what is a reluctant client? And I'm sure the first thing that comes to everyone's mind is an adolescent, right? Somebody whose parents are making them go to counseling. Well, my story is when I started counseling back in 2004, I thought I was going to work with adolescents, but because my license is called a licensed marriage and family therapist, I was advertising that I was a marriage counselor. And lo and behold, what comes through the door? Marriages and marriages struggling with infidelity. So it's funny because, you know, it didn't really matter if it was just a marriage struggling with communication or someone struggling with, you know, having an affair. It's the person who there were, okay, there were two people, the person who made the phone call to come to therapy 
and the person who came to therapy. Now, you can't be tricked by this. Sometimes the person who made the phone call was being made by someone to make the phone call. I have been on speakerphone quite a few times where the person said, okay, I made the phone call. What do you want me to say? (laughs) So generally, the person who made the phone call is the one who is the most motivated, obviously, right? And so if you, uh, and that puts you at a disadvantage if you're working with an adolescent, right? Because obviously the person who is the most motivated is not in the room, right? She made the phone call or he made the phone call. And now you got this kind of angry person sitting in front of you. Same thing with a court ordered client, someone struggling with addiction who had a DWI. Uh, Couples, like I just mentioned, if you have somebody that's like, I'm here because uh, he told me he wanted me to come. You've got someone in there who's not quite buying into the process. And so our problem is very universal, right? Nobody likes to be told they have a problem by somebody they just met, right? If I walked up to you and I said, uh, you know, you have a problem, right? You know, that thing that you're doing and it's uh, no, right? Your defenses would go up, right? You would say something to me, tell me to back off, You t- right? Look at my hands, So that's what defenses do. They create space, they create distance, they create an adversary. So what the three-point wrap-up does, it's not some sort of Pollyanna helmet you're going to put on and pretend like, oh, everything's fine. And it certainly is not an excuse for anything that your client has done or is struggling with. What this is, it's a way to have your client buy in to the process of counseling. I remember in grad school. I'm Dr. Kate Walker, and this episode is brought to you by the 40-hour training to become a supervisor in Texas. Not just any training, but the Kate Walker 40-hour LPC LMFT supervisor training completely online. It's the only all-in-one 40-hour LPC LMFT supervisor training course and community designed to grow your skill set and give you more research-based resources all in less than 30 minutes a day. No bots, no BS, just a great course to get you up to supervisor. The Kate Walker Training 40-Hour LPC LMFT Supervisor Training Course. Check it out. father and grandmother of solution focused therapy. And, you know, their technique was they talked to the client. They said, we'll be right back. We're going to go talk about you. They would go talk and then they come back and they would say something like, well, we've talked. And uh, the first thing we want to tell you is um, you're normal. And you could see the client just go, ah. And I mean, she walked in with issues like she was crying, she's depressed, she hadn't been out of bed in four days, she can't work, she can't eat. I mean, what Steve and Insu Kimberg said to her was, look, out of 7 billion people on this planet, I mean, we don't have the data, but you're pretty normal. What the client heard was, you're not, you're not going to label me. You're not going to tell me I'm a weirdo. You're not going to tell me that I don't fit in, that I'm unlovable, that I'm not valuable, that I don't belong. Right. And so that just changed my whole like therapy life, right. As a grad student. 
I'm like, I got to learn how to do this. I got to figure out how to help people. I think by then I was an internship and I'd faced a few surly clients, right? So what we do in the three-point wrap-up, we get through the intake assessment. So some of the questions that I ask, and this is important because this is giving you fodder for the three-point wrap-up, right? If the three-point wrap-up questions don't make sense, you're going to lose them. Like, did you know that, you know, you build a fence out of wood? They're going to be like, where have you been during this session? Were you even listening to me, right? So the three-point wrap-up has to at least pertain to what you're discovering on your uh, in your assessment. You see that one of the most important things, I put a box around it, and it's pretty important to me, is who made the phone call, right? I want to know who is the most motivated person. Uh, I asked some other questions about living situation, um, you know, have they, how long they've been in a committed relationship, et cetera. I put a presenting issue for both one and two, and this is a, a probably another training, but I only let one person talk at a time and only tell their story once. I don't allow interruptions or cross-talking in the initial session. I'm pretty bossy. Then I ask questions of each of them, whatever I ask one, I ask the other. And so I talk about negative things, positive things. I take a psychiatric history or a a psychological history. So I get a lot of good information here about past substance abuse, past issues, family members who have diagnoses of anxiety, depression, or bipolar. And I get that from each. And this is interesting to do with couples because the other one's always going to chime in and say, "Uh, you know... Uh, your Aunt Susie does this. Well, your Uncle Frank is, you know, so you get a lot of good information here. There's a depression assessment if you sense that one or both is suffering uh, with depression and some suicide questions there as well. If you've got someone coming in and let's say it's an individual and they don't have a problem and then you ask them, okay, if a glass and a beer and a shot are all the same, give me an an average for a week. If they say, well, I have a glass of wine every night, I'll ask them, okay, how big are your wine glasses? Because <laughs> I'll, and I will self reveal, even though I'm not a wine drinker, I'll say something like, my wine glasses are huge. So this is a nice, I remember I, I get to this section a lot with couples, especially when I'm going, I don't know why they're here, what's going on? And then someone will say, well, we do drink a case of beer every night in the hot tub. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I get a lot of good information here. And the key is with the three-point wrap-up, right? I'm winning the battle for structure by going through this, but I have to resist the temptation to drill on anything, right? Because I, especially as a new counselor, if you're a new counselor, man, if something comes up like a case of beer every night in the hot tub, you want to hop on it. You know what? You just met these people. If you start telling this person they're an alcoholic, guess what's going up, right? So breathe as you're taking the assessment, get through the assessment. And then when you get to the end, you've got this beautiful data, this wonderful information, and the client knows you listen to everything, right? They've been through 500 people, 500, that's a real number, who only seem to focus on their problem, right? They don't even feel seen like a real person anymore. So when you take the time to get through, in fact, I should probably call this a four-point wrap-up because this is a huge part of it. 
getting through this entire list and listening to every single bit of the story. If you're working with couples, listening to both sides, even in cases of an affair. I'm constantly telling the person who didn't do the thing, didn't have the affair. I'm not looking for causality. I'm not looking for a reason that they did this. There's no good reason to have an affair. This is just helping me understand your marriage, right? I'm constantly having to kind of comfort them so that they understand. I'm not looking for the reason that they slept with the secretary in the in the broom closet, right? I'm trying to help them understand. I'm just digging. I'm just gathering information. So now I've got my information. It's time for the magical moment. One question I hear a lot is, do I have them complete it before the first session or do I verbally ask in session and then I complete? I have always, even when I was teaching internship uh, to students at the university, I always want my students and I do this verbally. I mean, I've got it down. I can get it done in about an hour, but if it takes me scheduling a 90-minute session, I will because you never know who's filling it out when it's away from the office. Remember what I said, who's the most motivated party, right? Who do you think is going to fill out the form? Who do you think's voice will be missing, right? So that's a great question. And I know a lot of professors will have people fill it out because it saves time. They want the students to have time doing real counseling. I, I think this is real counseling because this helps the client understand that you're really, really listening. And sometimes I would tell my students, I don't care if it takes two two weeks for you to get through this. Your client, you know, they may tell you, I don't want to tell my story again. But the fact that you're interested in the story is huge, which makes the three-point wrap-up even more powerful. So when you get to the three-point wrap-up, we're going to talk about um, three areas. Number one, stress. Number two, life cycle stage, and then finally, the presenting issue. Now, I'll tell you why I saved the presenting issue for last in just a second. So with stress, one of the things I do that I don't have here is I take a timeline. I'll tell the individual, okay, think in the last five years, what question am I not asking? So I'm thinking about moves. I mean, and this is stuff that people don't think about. How many times did you move? How many jobs have you had? How many relationships have you had? Uh, have you had anybody die? Have you had anybody get married? Any new babies? Any new grandbabies? So I'll really fill out this, this assessment by taking this timeline. What I find out is this person has been through a tremendous amount of change. So I'll look at them and I'll say, you know, there are two kinds of stress. It's distress and eustress. Body doesn't care if you're marrying somebody or burying someone. It experiences it as stress. And here's what it does to your ability to problem solve. And I'll give them information, information, information. And then I'll even refer them to something called a Holmes and Ray scale. And I'll say, you know, it looks like, and actually what I'll say is, you know, what's really jumping off the page here to me is that you have been under a tremendous amount of stress. And nine times out of 10, if it's an individual, they'll look at me and they'll say, well, I guess I, I never really thought about it, but yeah, yeah, I've been through a ton of stuff. It's It's been hell or it's been up and down or I just thought it was normal. If it's a couple, you know, they'll look at each other and they'll say, we just thought this is what life was supposed to be like at this stage. 
And as the counselor, you look at them and say, well, it is, you know, if you're a new couple with a baby, or if you're early in your career and you're ambitious in your building, or, you know, if your company shut down and you have to move and look for another job, right? Or if you're working in an industry like the oil field, where you're on and off and on and off. So you want to validate, yeah, yeah, it's normal. That's okay. You know, you're normal. These are the issues one can have though. So here's the issue an individual can have when they're trying to solve problems. Here's what uh, problems couples can have if they're going through these things, which are normal when they try to solve problems. All right. So then you get the yes. And does when you ask, does that resonate with you? Again, nine times out of 10, they'll say yes. I It's interesting. Somebody needs, to, somebody probably has done a study, right? Do I think all of the clients, what makes you a client is a very stressful life. So second point on our three-point wrap-up is life cycle stage. You know, we have some data, some research, research tells us that, you know, some life cycle stages are just harder than others. And we also know that if you don't navigate those transitions cleanly, it's it's okay. It just puts a lot of stress on the family. Or if you do the transitions out of order, you know, somebody dies prematurely or something happens where you don't get to experience this trans, you give them information about life cycle stages and you give them data or you give them research says, because it does, and all of a sudden they're thinking of themselves as, oh my gosh, I'm like everybody else. We're we're like those, all the couples who just launched their last kiddo, uh, you know, out of the home. We're like lots of couples who have young kids, right? So you're helping them understand this is kind of what happens when you bury your mother and you're only 25 years old or your dad's in jail and you're 15 or right. So that life cycle stage, again, we're normalizing, we're helping them see themselves as a bigger picture, as a bigger part. And we ask them the question, does that resonate with you? Have you ever thought about that before? And nine times out of 10, they will look at you and say, oh my gosh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, I did know somebody who went through something like this and they had trouble too. Or, gosh, that make I've had couples actually look at each other and kind of laugh and say, "Oh my gosh, this makes us feel so good." Okay, so here we are. We defenses down. Oh, I hear Andy. Here he comes. Hi, Andy. All right, number three. We save this for last, and the reason we save this for last, I'm going to reiterate this, is because if you start with the problem, if you slam them with the the problem those defenses are going to go up. We know they have a problem. They know they have a problem, right? They wouldn't be there spending this money or taking time off from work or whatever if they didn't have a problem. So this is not going to be news to them, right? So you look at this and you say, "I." so I've saved this for last. And, and here's, uh, I guess what I've noticed is, um, you know, you are drinking and driving, or uh, you are sending nude pictures uh, to your colleagues in the office, or you did punch your teacher. Um, and so that is something that counseling can help. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to help you with that. Um, is that a goal? Would you like to work on that? Well, if you've done your job with these other two points, they're going to look at you. And even if it's just like, you know, yeah, whatever, that's still kind of a yes. 
so is, well, you know, I guess I've thought about it before. I don't think I have a problem. You know, I, I just think everybody's too sensitive. Um, but yeah, I should probably look at it. I mean, even if you get that, you have just gotten buy-in. You've gotten a little glimmer of motivation, right? You've found some initiative in there. And then here's the key, especially new counselors, don't dwell on it. Don't do anything else. You stop and you say, great, here's what I'd like you to do. Here's some homework, something I'd like you to read, something I'd like you to research on the internet, something up here's a podcast I'd like you to check out. When you come back, we will course correct based on your feedback. Tell me what resonates with you. Because what they're going to do now is they're going to test you, right? You may give them a podcast on how much is too much to drink. You may ask them to Google uh, pornography or sex addiction. You may tell them to uh, read a book about uh, power and authority. When they come back, if they've done the homework, again, awesome, you've got buy-in. But they may come back and say, you know what, I read that resource and I really don't think I'm an alcoholic. Or I really don't think I have an anger problem. And you look at them and you nod and you say, okay. Is it something you're willing to look at if it comes up again, though? Again, you're asking them not to say, you have a problem, I see it, you don't. You're inviting them to co-create solutions with you, and you're inviting them to continue to self-reflect. I love to send clients home with a worksheet on cognitive distortions. I send my clients home with this a lot. It's a two-page little cognitive distortion worksheet. And uh, I'll say, you know what? Take this home. Just kind of have some fun. See how many times you do this. Or, it, you know, if it's an adolescent, I love giving this to them and saying, notice how many times your mom or dad or your brother or sister or your aunt or uncle or grandmother does this. And again, what we're telling them is you aren't the only one struggling, right? You're just the one who showed up today. Good for you. All right. So we're getting to the end here. My goal today was to get you through the three-point wrap-up, the why, why we do it, how it helps, how it helps turn uh, a reluctant client, hopefully, into a more motivated client. So let's review our steps again. You have to win the battle for structure. That's your intake assessment. So go over that in the session. It's also going to show this person that you're listening, that you heard every bit of what they're saying, you get through the assessment, then you reflect back to them three areas. One area related to stress, one area of their assessment related to life cycle stage, and then leave the presenting issue for last. And don't dwell on any of it. Simply offer them some activities they can do before the next session, uh, Tell them it was nice to meet them and you look forward to seeing them again next time. I hope you like this counseling technique episode. This is Dr. Kate Walker. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Kate Walker. Thank you so much for listening to Texas Counselors Creating Badass Businesses. Thank you to Ridgely Walker for her lovely voiceovers at our introduction. And do me a favor, when you get a second, please like, share, and subscribe, and write us a review. 
That's really how we get picked up by other RSS feeds and we get this information out to the mental health badasses who need it. Thanks again and keep saving the world with excellent therapy.